just sex. That's not how you expect a sermon to start, right? Um, Darby and I were watching a sitcom, and a character on the show said that, and I thought, that line kind of really sums up how culture thinks about sex, right? Over the last four weeks, we've been talking about sexuality and church and culture, and if you really want to sum up how culture thinks about sex, I'm like, it's just sex. And that's really a big divide from how church thinks about sex, right? Here's how church thinks about sex. It's sex. Like, it's sex. Like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, it's a complete opposite reaction. Culture says sex is only physical. We know that's not true. Right? Sex isn't just physical. When someone is sexually assaulted, it affects more than their bodies. People need to heal their minds, not just their bodies. Our minds and our bodies are linked. Your body without your mind or your mind without your body isn't you. The physical and the spiritual are linked. Humans are, are a unique meeting place between heaven and earth, between the physical and spiritual. And this is why spiritual decisions require physical response. You can't be like, yeah, I believe it, but I don't do anything or practice it or do anything with it. And this is why a physical act like sex affects you spiritually. It's not just sex. It's spiritual. Now, at this point, you might be like, wait a minute, Alex. This isn't how the Pixar movie Soul works. There's like a clear separation, right, between your physical person and your spirit, your soul. Now, you get to keep your hat and your glasses, but everything else is a complete separation. Um, hopefully, I'll get to keep my mustache, right? But our ideas in Western culture about soul and body, like the soul's who you really are, and you just kind of puppet this body around, that's a very Western idea that comes from Greek philosophy and from Plato, but that's not how the ancient Jewish authors of the Bible thought about humans. It's not how they thought about the physical and the spiritual. When we hear the word soul, we assume it is the non-physical, immortal essence of a person. And really, our movies are full, filled with soul eaters, right? Or pictures of souls being sucked out of people like balls of light. Here's Shang-Chi and uh, Harry Potter. You know, with the Dementors and these, uh, the beasts in uh, the end of Shang-Chi, right? Sucking out your soul, right? It's this, this light source inside of you. Um, but actually, how the biblical authors thought about soul was, it's the combination of your body and your mind. You are a soul. That's your physical, and if you want to think of it in a sense of spiritual, together as one. And that means we can't separate the things we do physically from how it affects us spiritually. And we can't affect how things spiritually affect us physically. When you think about this, this makes easy sense, right? If you're depressed, does that affect your body? 100%. If you do something to someone with your body that hurts them, it affects you emotionally. It affects them emotionally. It's not just like the physical is in a whole separate field. We're, we're very integrated between the physical and the spiritual. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a Hebrew word that sums this up. It's the word nephesh. Um, most of our English translations translate it as soul. But the Jewish people, the Jewish word here really is about your whole being, your life and your body, your spirit and your flesh, the physical and the spiritual. You are one whole integrated being. And so that's why sex is spiritual, because it doesn't just affect your body. It affects your mental, your emotional, your spiritual. 
And this is why we don't merely pray and wait for God to do something. We pray and we act, physical and spiritual together. This is why we don't just mentally affirm things when we say we believe them. We act on our belief. Because belief is not something you just do with your brain. It is something you do with your body because you are one integrated soul. You can't separate the two. This is why James, the brother of Jesus, says in James 2.18, Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now, that might seem like a contradiction when you read the rest of the Old Testament, but only if you have a Western coming from Greek philosophy view of the body and soul as being separate. What James saw was, you are not a mind trapped in a body, you are a body and a mind. The physical and the spiritual work together. They make you you. Now, I see this thinking twisted all the time when churches talk about discipleship. And discipleship is just simply the process by which we become like Jesus. But discipleship many times in churches comes down to memorizing facts about Jesus. And discipleship is not just memorizing doctrines about Jesus. It's not just using our mind and our emotions. It is practicing the way that Jesus lived and loved. It is using our bodies as well as our minds. It is implementing his teaching into our lives. It is using our body to use an example to follow the poses of Jesus as if he was like a yoga instructor in a yoga class. Darby and Scotty have been taking some yoga classes, and um, there's an instructor up front, and he does a pose, and then you try to model it. And over time, as you model it, you get better and better at modeling it. It would be really easy for me to walk into that yoga class and be like, I could do that, and not move at all. And yet, that's how most of us approach our spirituality, right? It's something that I mentally say, yep, that looks like a good one. I could do that. And we never, ever move our bodies. We are one integrated But this is also so dangerous that when we use our bodies in the wrong way, it affects us spiritually. In the West, how we think about what it means to be human has been shaped and misshaped by the Enlightenment. Some things are good, some things are bad. Descartes famously said, I think, therefore I am. Ben Franklin joked one time, he said, um, we are just brains with two legs. But we are more than just that. When we begin to try to separate out our spiritual, our mind, and our emotion from our body, we end up finding ways to excuse bad behaviors with our bodies or bad ideas with our minds. The dichotomy between the body and the spirit is completely foreign to the Jewish writers of scripture. They see the two halves as one whole, the soul. You are a soul. You don't have a soul. You have a body and a mind. You are a soul. Now, this, of course, is why the resurrection was such a big deal to biblical writers. This is why they're not just like, hey, you're going to be living in a cloud palace forever. What is the promise of scripture? You are always designed to be a body and a mind working together. You are always designed to not just be separated from your body, but to be in your restored body, living and breathing and eating and singing and dancing. And this thinking is why Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6.19, flee from sexual immorality. He doesn't say fight it, get strong tough it out. No, he says run from it. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. I 
think a lot of American Christianity is about honoring God with our minds. We memorize a lot of facts. And we say, yes, I believe that. I've learned a lot of good stuff. We're to honor God with our bodies, not just our minds. Why does Paul say we should avoid uh, destructive sexuality? Because most sin, and sin according to biblical authors, is the selfish, destructive things that we do that hurt ourselves, or hurt other people, or hurt the world that we live in. Uh, He says most of our sin affects the world around us. It affects other people. But he says what we do sexually is actually self-destructive. It actually hurts ourselves. It's self-damaging. And this is where he drops the big bombshell, right? He says we are defiling the temple of God when we say the right things, but we use our bodies for the wrong things. When we use our bodies for sexual actions that hurt others or belittle others or treat others as just objects for our own pleasure. We're dragging God's good name into the dirt. There are people who are no longer Christians. There are people who will never be Christians because of the way Christians have acted sexually. Because of the way ministers have acted sexually. Because of the way Christians have acted selfishly about their sexuality. There are people in our city who have been shaped and misshaped by how someone wielded sex. How they wielded Paul was also making the argument that everything we do is spiritual, because what does he say? He says, your body is a temple. That means everywhere you go, your body is a temple. I remember as a kid, my family didn't go to church. They started attending a church, so we were finding out everything new about church. You know, people told us stuff, we were like, I guess that's how it is. We've never been in church. And so I remember being uh, young and running through church at top speed because I was a kid and I loved to run. I wish you could keep that as an adult. Now I'm like, should I go running? I didn't want to do it. But as a kid, I wanted to run everywhere. And so I remember running through church, and a stern older person grabbed my shoulder with a, you know, like eagle-like talon gripping into my shoulder. And they whipped me around and looked at me and said, you don't run in church. You know, this is a holy place. This is a sacred place. You don't run. Um, I think that's pretty ridiculous. But I learned some things, that you were to treat this place differently because this was a place where we met with the presence of God. What does Paul say? You should treat your body differently because everywhere you go, you are a mobile hotspot for the presence of Yahweh, the one true God, who has come to live in you, whose son died for you, who bought you at a great price so that you can know him and become like him. This means that getting the newspaper, doing laundry, going to work, having sex, all have spiritual, eternal significance because our bodies are a collaboration between heaven and earth. Our bodies are a meeting place between man and God. Jeff Christofferson, he's a Canadian church planter, and uh, I have a couple of his books, and I've been to a couple of his workshops, and he had this statement in one of his workshops he opened up with, and it's, it's rocked me. It stayed with me. I think about it often. Here's what he said. At any given moment, I am either building the kingdom of God or the dominion of darkness. He said, it is possible to even participate in church expansion and unintentionally be an agent for shrinking the kingdom of God. All the time, we are either building the dominion of darkness or the kingdom of God. And sometimes you can be doing things that look good. looks like you're just making churches bigger, and you're actually shrinking the kingdom of God. 
everything you do, how we spend our money, how we use our time, what our sex lives look like, we're either stacking blocks onto the kingdom, which is on its way out, the dominion of darkness, it's already breaking, just think of that, um, or we are building the kingdom of Jesus, which is rushing in and which will last forever. We're either building something that will last forever we're building something that's moments away from crumbling. Do you ever get this profound sense of the pointlessness of life? It usually hits me around Thursday, sometimes a little bit earlier in the week, but I'm like, I go to sleep, I wake up, I eat, I go to sleep, I wake up, I go to work, I eat, I wake up, I go to sleep, I go to work, I eat, over and over and over again, and nothing seems to matter. Can I suggest to you that when we feel that feeling, that feeling is actually your body and your mind reacting to the reality that you keep building in the kingdom of darkness, and that kingdom is crumbling and doesn't matter. Your body is trying to tell you something, you're wasting your life. Might I suggest that that feeling would leave us, if we used our body, we began to recognize that our body and our mind in every moment have an opportunity to build the kingdom of Jesus, an eternal kingdom, a lasting where we must begin to see our bodies and our spirits as one, a holy temple for the living God, to see our everyday actions a spiritual act. Are the things you are doing and saying helping or hurting? Are you building or breaking? And if you're like, oh, this sounds a little absurd, like there's just ordinary day things, Alex, and then there's church stuff. There's, it's two separate worlds. Consider what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31-33. This is later in the same letter from where we read before. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. But don't cause anyone to stumble, whether they're Jews or Greeks or the Church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. One of my greatest passions. is for Christians to realize that ministry is not something that happens in churches. I think we think, oh, ministers, they do stuff in churches. Ministry is things we do in churches. Ministry is what happens in our workplaces and our homes and our neighborhoods when we begin to live and love like Jesus everywhere we go. When we begin to see that everyday, ordinary moments are spiritual. My desire is that we begin to see everyday, ordinary moments as opportunities to glorify God. That means our sex lives matter, how we spend our money matters, how we spend our time, how we eat, our sleep schedule, how we treat our neighbors, whether or not we even get to know our neighbors. All these things matter because we're either building an eternal kingdom, we're building one that's already wasting away. So, to sum up, you are a soul. You are a body with a mind. The promise of Christianity is not half of you will live forever in a sky palace. The promise of Christianity is that you will have a resurrected body. You will be whole of life. The promise is that like Jesus, your body and spirit will be raised from death eternally to live and breathe and dance and sing on a restored planet. Some of us are spiritually stagnant. Because of what we choose to do with our bodies, we say the right things, we believe the right things in our mind, and yet we use our bodies for things that will make us spiritually sick. Some of us are spiritually sick because of what we 
with our bodies. We don't have a spiritual life and a secular life. Everything is spiritual. There's no separation between the two. Everything you do has eternal value. Since your soul isn't a part of you, your soul is you. We cannot take physical action without it affecting our heart, our emotions, and our mind. And we can't say we believe something with our mind and our heart and our emotions if it doesn't affect what we do with our bodies. If you have become a disciple of Jesus, a student of how he lived and loved, if you have committed to become like him by becoming an apprentice of his life, you have become a mobile hotspot for the presence and power of God. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. That means everywhere you walk is a holy of holies. You're standing in the very presence of God. You're taking his power and his presence with you. That's why Paul says you were bought with a price. God himself died to buy your freedom from sin and death. Don't use that freedom to enslave yourself. Use your freedom selflessly, not selfishly. How we do things, why we do things, how well we do things, all those matter. We tend to box our lives into compartments. Well, I got my church stuff over here, then I got my work stuff, then I got my home stuff, then I got my hobbies, I got my friends, you know. I got all these different boxes. We think there's church and work and home. We think of life as split between the secular and the spiritual in the mind of Jesus, in the mind of Paul, in the mind of the biblical authors. Everything is spiritual. Everything is either building the coming kingdom of Jesus or reinforcing the collapsing kingdom of darkness. But the question I'm going to leave us with is what are you building? What are you building with your sex life, with your money, with your time? Are you building the kingdom of darkness? Are you building a kingdom of better life? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the great gift that is life. Thank you for making us unique beings. We're a mixture of heaven and earth. We have a spirit, but we're also bodies. Thank you for leaving us here to oversee your world as your representatives, to bring abundance and flourishing. Forgive us for so many times that we've failed by selfishly choosing what we think is good. Lord, help us to be selfless people who build your kingdom, who see the people around us not as annoyances or nuisances or barriers or boundaries, but rather as people that you have divinely put into our lives so that we might lead them to you. Forgive me for so often separating my life out into convenient boxes.